welcome to the Keel Hall Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Logan, and we've got a lot of Sea of Thieves news to cover today. So tie yourselves to the mast and hold fast. <laughs> welcome, pirates. This is a very special Halloween episode. It is not only the Gold Hoarder episode, but I have the ending to the Bleak Hot Mana finished for you. It'll be after this episode, and we'll be talking about all kinds of fun Halloween-y type stuff, as well as some ideas for the next event and maybe next year's Halloween celebration. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. But before I get into anything, I want to thank first, Dead Eye Dre. They've helped write Bleak Heart Manor. We've talked a lot over the last few weeks about what this story was going to be, and it is something that I think is very special to me as well as to them. They worked hard to try and make sure that the story came out the way I was hoping it would, given that this is a story that is tied to cosmetics in a game that would not focus on it in any other light. I want to thank all the patrons who've decided to support this podcast. If you want to do so, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash keelhauled podcast and join the coven just like they have. Thank you to the loyal followers, People's Republic, El Cute Alls, Bam Bam Bagel, Captain Hasco, Captain Hayes, Chateau Doof, Zombie Killer, Cloud, Cosmic Johnson, Static Mir, Davram TV, El Jefe Esteban, Fergatron, Trickster, Jabaro 5, Carl Embo, Kazia the Rogue, Lumpy SRQ, Dub Dub Goose, Evil Morpheus, Xbox Mike 29, Murphy Lives, Mutinous Max, Raja the Brave, Registella, Replicated Flame, Rust Belt Kid, Norwegian, Skamelt 666, Sudesh, Captain Dasm, That Kilted Guy, TN Professor, Real Big Tuna, Big Bad Pad, Mina Fairy, Super Pack, Music Me, The Low Chronologist, Dead Eye Dre, Hegger Owl, Ghost Boy 20, Evil Martha, Peter Miller, Rooski Doo, Skinny Matt, Thor Von Blitz, Windsor Chris, and Zam Wow. Thank you all so much for your support. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the community episode for October 2022. Uh, with me today, I have a bunch of the gold hoarders who are the patrons. Uh, if you'd like to join in on these monthly episodes, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, it is a part of the the rewards, the unsaid rewards for the captain tier. Um, this is pretty much, as always, just me wanting to get in touch with the community that's around the Keelhauled podcast and see how everyone's doing, uh, what everyone's been up to what everyone likes dislikes about the latest content that's been coming out and uh how everyone feels about things so um i'm going to be working down the list of uh people that are here and get a good introduction so you can get accustomed to their voices a lot of these are going to be voices that you already know people that you probably play with so as always uh welcome to the show el jefe esteban welcome how you doing doing well sir glad to be here 
Glad to have you. Kylia the aficionado is joining us. She doesn't usually come because I'm usually spending more time with her outside of Sea of Thieves than I am actually in Sea of Thieves. But Kylia, how are you doing? Fair statements. I'm great. How are you today? I'm so excited to be here. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I built a uh, new dresser thing for my office here and I got to like destroy a bunch of boxes that had a bunch of junk in them and put them in like proper little storage containers. And my office feels like a million bucks right now. And I'm really happy about that. Awesome. Um, and moving down the list, we have, as always, People's Republic. Peoples, how you doing? You're doing well, Logan. How are you? Good, good. Can't wait to uh, dive into this. We got some good things to talk about this week. Uh, Actually, let's do it. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Regis Stella is joining no, us. Good. How you doing, Regis? Yeah, I'm here. I wasn't here for the last for last months, but uh, I'm here again. Unlike some, unlike the person next to me who is uh, has been here since the first episode of the Keyhole Podcast Gold Hoarder episode. So, yeah. <laughs> we we keep dragging him in uh, for uh, for other things, but uh, you're referencing in the in next in the list is Rust Belt Kid. Rust Belt, how you doing, buddy? Doing fantastic. I'm doing great. Glad to be here. My one once in a year and a quarter visit. Yeah. Well, I figured you, you probably burned through most of, you know, what you wanted to do on Madden. So you're probably figured you'd jump in here and see what's going on in Sea of Thieves, right? Yeah. You know, just uh, give my two cents every year. We'll, we'll be all right. All right. I'm looking forward to them too. Joining us uh, this week is first time appearance. Static. How are you doing, Static? Welcome. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Having a good day. Awesome. Glad to have you. And then last but not least is Trickster. Trickster, welcome. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Glad to have you. Uh, noticeably absent, uh, but not not for good reason. Uh, we usually have like Xbox Mike, Patty, and Mina. Uh, they are not joining us this week. Um, Patty is in chat, but uh, not able to jump in for the actual recording. They are missed. I hope they are doing well. And uh, especially Mina, who's out of internet right now, which in this day and age, I'm sure many of you can appreciate how painful not being without internet uh, can be. Um, and this week I wanted to jump into uh, Sea of Thieves. We're, we're in the midst of season seven. Uh, we've got a fair amount of content. We've had the Herald of the Flame adventure. Uh, we just got teased with the next adventure, which is actually going to be a decision between uh, two different people. And I thought this was pretty amazing. We've got the next adventure, which is coming up on the uh, the, the trailer is on the 31st or Halloween and, uh, the event will go live on, I believe November 4th, which is that Thursday. Um, or no, I think the third, the third is the Thursday. Uh, but that is called return of the damned. Uh, we've also got a Halloween event that's going on right now. If you're listening to this on uh, Monday, it may actually be over. So hopefully you all had an opportunity to play this weekend and take part of the Halloween event of trick or treat. Um, I'm already done with it. I'm glad it was quick. I didn't want to have to spend a whole lot of time working on this to get the two hats because Sea of Thieves is all about hats. Um, but that's kind of what I figured we'd run down, see what everyone thought of this. Um, as we kind of dive into this, uh, where did you as a community want to dive into? Did you guys want to talk about the Herald of the Flame and kind of cover your thoughts and feelings on it? Because I've spoken on it myself, but I'd love to get some feedback from you all. Uh, yeah, we can totally do that. All right. Static, you want to start us off? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so discussing the Herald of the Flame. Um I rather enjoyed this adventure. Uh, it uh, was a pleasant surprise. Um, and the day that I got on, we didn't have any issue. My friend and I just started it. 
kind of sailed past another ship that was also doing it and nobody decided to shoot at each other because we both had the same goal in mind and we eventually were able to finish it and no problems that's fantastic what did you think of the uh, the ending? Uh, the ending was, it was okay. A um, yeah. little anticlimactic. They kind of built it up, and I was kind of excited about it. But uh, I understand, you know, it's not like a full-fledged, like, on um, story. It's just a small tidbit of story. So, but, uh, I mean, it was still an overall good ending. I enjoyed it. That's a really fair appraisal. Uh, anyone else? have a good experience that they wanted to talk about that they ran into people that they weren't expecting but ended up having a pretty good time with it hefe let's go with you and then regis let's go with you after and then peoples if you have have some thoughts as well we ran it a couple times um prof and i did it with i don't remember who our third person was at night but initially uh and it would it went pretty well uh we when we got to the final stage there was another brig kind of in the area that was sniffing around so we had to go take care of them um but outside of that, it was pretty smooth. Um, and then we did it again with 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 Rusty. Um, and I think that night it was it was dead. I don't think anything happened uh, in the way of kind of extra content. But the uh, story itself, I thought, was really good. I, I out of all of the Ashen Lords that we've dealt with, I thought that Stitcher's character is was was the best. It just the, the way they, I think they did a really good job of kind of just creating that character. Um, I thought it was pretty good. So I think it'd be kind of cool to somehow have uh have him brought back in at some point if it's possible if he's not you know totally dead but nobody's really dead in sea of thieves so who knows yeah you're not wrong about that and and i think it i think you're right about stitcher jim i think part of it might have to do with our familiarity with him and seeing the uh the evolution of his character as opposed to the four randoms that we got uh beforehand um regis you you had some thoughts let's get into that well i i was i was doing the adventure just Find a dandy first time around, and then I went to Bell to 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 uh to confirm the next chapter, and I just kept she wouldn't accept it for some reason, so I decided to come back again another day, another day, another time, and do the actual fighting itself. Done that with with Trickster, and that was easy. I didn't even die the I didn't even die during the whole fight. It was like my easiest Ashen Lord fight, and yeah, apart from that. It was it was good. It was good. I really enjoyed it. And again, it was nice to see Stitcher Jim after so bloody long. Yeah, we haven't seen him in in forever, for sure. Uh, People, so I, I thought you had some thoughts on that as well. And then Rust, if you wanted to jump in. Yeah, I mean, I th I think that the uh, the rare team has done an amazing job, especially over the last several adventures around the lore piece, around telling the story between, you know, the journals, and in this case, going back to the flashbacks with the uh, with the lantern. I think is is very um, it's been very very good. Um, in this particular case, the mechanic of the last uh, the last section where you had to go to to Bell um, at Liar's Backbone and then progress your story and then you know go to the final battle and then you know come back the the bottleneck there that there's only one um a crew that's that's allowed to be on that final chapter at any given time uh really gave some confusion it, it's not the fact that um you can only have one going there and the battle being set but they have to come back and finish their uh, voyage before the next crew can go so there's a there's a bottleneck there what i wish that would have happened is the last piece would have taken in taken you into an instance um so that you could have a true uh larger than life battle um with uh man the uh 
um, the character model of Stitcher Jim was amazing. I, I think that's been said a couple times, but it but it was really really good. Uh, but but kind of prolong that battle, um, giving you the the epicness of the different people coming to help you um, for that that they really wanted, as opposed to really forcing people through it really quick so that they can try to clear up that bottleneck. That was my biggest complaint is that piece there at the uh, at the end. Um, could have been done uh, in a different way to to feel uh, cleaner for me. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you on that one. I think that that would have been a good fix for it. Um, Rust, let's go with what your thoughts were, and then Kylea, if you had some thoughts on it as well, and Trickster afterwards. Yeah, I mean, like always, you know, unfortunately, Tennessee and Hefe have to do things multiple times because I tend to miss it when they do it the first time. But um, like good friends, you know, I did it with those two and I was a little worried because I tend not to miss anything, even though I kind of go in spurts where I won't be around for a while. I I was worried because the only thing I've really missed was the last adventure and I didn't even like read on it. I didn't do anything on it. So I was kind of worried that like maybe somehow um, I'd be missing some part of a story or and whatnot. I, I really didn't feel like I I missed anything. Um, and I, although I, you know, I missed it, but I didn't feel like I was missing anything in the story going into it, which was kind of something I was worried about. Um, I obviously, like everybody said, like Stitcher Jim, I, I think, you know, the progression that we've seen him go through, um, that was amazing to see. And I, I did like the fact that like, okay, we got to go back out to the roar. We got to go out to Molten Sands. Like that, that's something that, you know, we were focusing on the other day you know, just working on stuff in the roar because it's been so long since we've been out there. But um, the only thing that I found, and Hefe might be able to correct me a little bit on this, but um, I think, uh, you know, when we were going back and and trying to do, you know, the second part where you have to go back and continue the story, <clears throat> we kind of did typical, you know, Black Rose fashion, like, all right, guys, like, let's jump off the ship and we'll just, you know, one person stay with the ship and keep going. But the fact that it needed all of us there to be able to continue the story kind of uh, irritated me a little bit. I know it's something small and minute, but it was kind of like, you know, what's the, like all the all three of us had to be there for it to let us continue. And that was just kind of, I don't know, a little off key, I guess. But other than that, I thought it was a great I thought it was great. Um, it, The ending was a little bit more less uh, anticlimactic than I thought it would be though. Yeah. See, I, I think that was actually something that I appreciated was knowing that even if, uh, people had gotten there ahead of time or someone was dead or someone had to go do something that there was, there was kind of a gate involved that made sure that someone couldn't screw it up for someone else. Um, and that say you were on an open crew and you wanted to do it on an open crew, um, someone couldn't go, go over there and start it unless everyone was present. So that way no one missed out on the story, which I think was one of the uh, the issues that I had with the Hunter's Cry was is that you could get up there and there were multiple crews and those crews could start off the dialogue and you could miss out on stuff uh, or hear stuff in, in the background and have there no, be no context as to what's going on because you haven't made your way all the way up to the very top yet. I kind of like what you say about that. I honestly didn't really... You know, when you sail with a group all the time, you kind of you kind of take those things for granted and don't realize like, oh, man, yeah, an open crew. So I kind of like how you put that it puts it in a different perspective. It's one of those weird things that we don't think about. Right. Like open crew is not something that most of us really jump into too often, maybe sometimes for, you know, some entertainment value. But 
that is still part of the the game that has to be accounted for. And Kylia, uh, did you jump in? Did you get a chance to to check it out and see it? This is pretty much the only thing I've had the chance to do recently. Um, we did actually do it twice across two different nights, um, and both of them were equally quiet. We didn't see any other ships. We didn't have any interference from other people. Um, it is really weird seeing the roar turned off. I, I don't like it, but I definitely did take advantage of it to run those uh, legendary powder stashes that I had laying around since they make you dig up kegs in the roar and there's Athena kegs and normally they just blow up from the geysers. So I kind of abused that. But the adventure itself, I, I just personally, I felt it was kind of meh. I, it didn't ring out with me emotionally or attached to me. In fact, it took me a second to remember what it was about and I only did it twice two weeks ago. So that's really interesting to come at it from that perspective. Um, I wanted to get uh, Trickster's thoughts in before we kind of discuss the roar in general. Uh, Trickster, what did you think of it? I liked it. I did it three times myself. And uh, I like how the last two adventures, any kind of fat like battles and war, even though they were short battles. Um, that's all I got to say about it. Okay. So I am I am kind of curious because Kylia brings up a, a, a very interesting point. Um, this is the first time that the uh, roar has been quiet. Uh, we've, we've never really run into this. And I wanted to get some thoughts on this because personally, from my perspective, I absolutely love the Devil's Roar. I, I think it's a, a fantastic area. It's really well designed. I think it's a unique place to see a thieves that looks dire but not like oppressive like the wilds typically does and um not having to go to an island or have to wait for an island to turn off uh really did kind of like up the experience for me i got to really kind of appreciate some of the environment a little bit more without have to having to constantly think of like okay what's the timer for this volcano how much time do i have do i have to worry about something like is my ship gonna have to get moved um and i took advantage as much as i could i went and ran a bunch of uh merchant stuff to try and get some of those knocked out and really enjoyed it but did anyone else feel like this was a really interesting thing that could come back or that they would like to see in the future or was it kind of nice just as a one-off or did you take advantage of uh the volcanoes being turned off we took advantage uh, one night to, I think Rusty was needing to do some more of those cargo runs out there. So we did that. So we, we took advantage of it in that regard. Um, but just in general, I didn't, I didn't think I would care, but when we were out there actually doing it, I'm like, man, this is really easy. This is almost too easy. I kind of miss having the volcanoes to be mindful of and dodge and, you know, contend with. Um, I don't know that I would want, want that area to be quiet all the time i'm kind of with jefe um as we were doing it you know obviously it was like okay hey let's take advantage of this to knock out some combinations and kind of combination hunt for a second but it was almost just too quiet too easy and i think jefe and i are we've just sailed with prof for so long that we like chaos at this point so we you know we like to feel like um the world's coming to an end and we have to save our own selves at that point so almost too easy but it was nice for a second but i would not want it to be all the time like i feel like we need to go out there more often but not when it's so quiet like that i got a a friend of mine that we sail the roar quite a bit actually and i enjoy the chaos of the roar um 
it just makes you work a little faster at whatever you're doing because you're always on that okay is it gonna go off okay we got geysers okay go 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 um the fact that it was turned off threw me off the first time uh we were sailing around i'm like something's not right like you got that eerie suspicion like like there's a velociraptor tracking you you know but nothing ever actually happened uh do i want it turned off at all times no do i want to see it turned off again in the future maybe once a season i think if it was turned off once a season for new players to kind of get an experience without being murdered by the volcanoes or at least once a season just for people to kind of knock out some accommodations i guess that don't really ever go over there because they're just afraid of that area in general one thing that i think i've always hoped for with seasons were kind of the special weekends that we get um we get the community day we get golden glory we get things like that uh there's always been um a thought in the back of my mind that i would like to see rare try and capitalize on the different regions in the sea of thieves uh we had this back when we were doing cursed sales um each region had a cursed sales event it was on a timer and it would shift every two hours uh, and I would kind of like to see that happen in Sea of Thieves, um, where weekends or, or weeks are kind of dedicated to different regions. Like uh, one week will be the Devil's Roar and the volcanoes will be turned off and loot will get a, an additional you know 10% bonus out there. And it draws people into that area to work on stuff, to have engagement, to be able to do things um, while also offering the regular seas, just kind of the normal happenings that go on there. Um, the, the obvious trouble with that is, is when you think about, uh, reapers and reapers have to travel all the way to reapers hideout to be able to turn stuff in, uh, to get that emissary value. The alternative would be to have, uh, events that are kind of themed around the different adventures and stuff that are going on. But I've always kind of wanted to have areas of the sea, uh, focused on so that, People have a little more engagement with other players if they're looking to capitalize on things out there, but also um, to kind of showcase some of the islands and stuff that happen over there, you know, um, try and play around with that. Now, it's a it's an interesting um, prospect to have to try and worry about, like the balance of that, how how well that would work out. But I don't know. Does anyone think that something like that would be something you'd be up for, something that you'd like to see come to see Thieves with the seasons? I'm always down for event weekends, regardless of how big or small it is. If it's just something that takes place for like one day only or maybe two days, it's, you know, it's always fun just to try and get that done or try and compete with it. Anyone think that that's, that would be too much to have to worry about each week or every month or every season? I don't think it, you know, I like the idea of it. Um, I know for a long time, I was one that was like, always like, oh, I can't miss this. I can't miss that. I can't miss this. And it's like, you know what, after four years, it's like, if I miss something, I miss something. It's not the end of the world. You know, <clears throat> I didn't even take into account, you know, I was telling Hefe in Tennessee the one day, you know, I kind of, I want to start doing some of these adventures a little bit slower and actually reading all the dialogue and stuff. Because oh, no. in four years, I probably haven't read much of the dialogue at all. Like most of it I've gotten just through just the storyline itself and haven't read much of the dialogue. And he was like, well, you know, you can just go to like rare thief and read it. Right. 
and i was like oh yeah duh but so it's like if i miss something i miss something but i know some people out there will complain because if they can't get everything or they can't be at every event then it's the end of the world yeah yeah i could definitely see that yeah logan uh, my thought there is i think that there definitely needs to be some sort of a an event only for the only for the roar and and, and i and i agree with you but i would not take away any of the uh, the trappings of the roar, I would keep it the way it is. It's designed to be harder for a reason. I mean, your Ashen Treasure is already giving you a, a boost. Uh, but to say, hey, we're going to have a, a higher drop or we're going to have, um, you know, stuff specifically, um, you know, Voyages made specifically for the roar during this time that that yield a, a higher, um, you know, GPM or or whatever it whatever it may be to to force people back out into the roar. I think that's a a good thing, but I would not nerf anything in the war, roar to make it more accessible um, to to anybody just to get people out there because the roar as it was brought on was designed to be that next level space was supposed to be for those seasoned um, sailors and those pirates and those crews to be able to navigate um, for that risk versus reward that we've talked about before. But um, to have, you know, targeted events to get people out there, I think is a, is a really good idea. Um, I don't know if I'd want it, you know, I don't know if I'd want it um, seasonally on, on a cadence. But I definitely think to have, um, you know, the the pop up uh, opportunity, I think that's a good idea. So keep it just as dangerous. Let people really kind of get into the uh, get in, uh, let people kind of get the the familiarity with it. Um, but just have like a driver that pushes people out there more often. Hundred percent. I mean, even on this this call that we've talked about, we're talking about people during this past events quote took advantage of the it being down to, to be able to do some other stuff which is like i don't want people to be able to cheese a situation i want them to be able to earn and get better at their situation and um i think having those events and having it out there at the same level but giving them the the extra enticement to go out there and it's not as bad as you think it is once you learn to cope with the different things so um i think it could be a good thing I think the trade-off this time was uh, the lore was driving us out there and the the actual, um, what's it called? Uh, the volcanoes being off was the, the trade-off, the incentive. Whereas in, in your situation, you're you're suggesting that this, the there should be a monetary driver as opposed to an environmental driver. Correct. Yeah, I could see that too. I, I think that would work. Uh, anyone else got some thoughts on the roar with this event? Yeah, I do. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, I agree. I agree with what, what everybody's been saying, but um, I hope they eventually add like sea forts and shrines, like they did the fort, the skeleton fort. Eventually, imagine a siren um shrine inside of a an active volcano or a sea fort built around the active volcano, mm. and you got like time limit to finish it, maybe or something. But I always wanted to add more to the roar. Hopefully next year. Yeah. The, the balance trouble is is really just those volcanoes, right? Like a, I was doing a treasury, gosh, I think it was last night, and I was solo, so it took me a little bit longer than if it were just, you know, someone else, but I think it was also scaled for me being alone. Uh, I, I would say that that ended up taking me probably about 10, 15 minutes. I wasn't really keeping track, but it felt like an eternity. And uh, guarantee when when I got back up to my ship, I was almost 100% certain that someone was going to be tucking or my ship was going to be gone and worrying about 
like a treasury or shrine to do in the roar just given the nature of the uh volcanoes um would would probably ramp up my uh my anxiety thinking that my ship was probably going to be gone for sure i like that idea of what trickster said about like you know adding you know some of the sea forts and stuff like that to the roar kind of giving you more incentive to go out there um not a big fan of people's you know blaming us for cheesing it but i still love you it was a low blow for sure I do feel like that there's more that they could do <clears throat> with that area of the map. Um, many times, I, just, I feel like they, they, they made the roar and forgot about it. Um, and there's definitely an opportunity. I think there's, you know, you talk about, you know, something they could easily do. Like, you know, ha if, if you're worried about a volcano going off and your ship being there, have a mechanic as something that's happening inside the treasury that's happening there means that it's happening, you know, externally as well or something like that i think that there's an opportunity for them to really kind of just ramp up the availability of things to do out there i would like to see where you do that i think you're onto something i think i think you could do something like that uh have um well here's a, a weird idea they could probably take feel free rare uh have a candle that is crafted by you know say morrow working in conjunction with the order of souls and you have to go over to uh, an island that has a has a shrine or a, a you know fort or whatever have you, and the you light the candle. The candle has a, a you know cooldown. It'll burn down to the to the bottom of the wick at, at some point. But while that candle is burning on that island, it silences the volcano. So you're you're able to be there for a certain amount of time. You're you're able to purchase this candle to be able to stop the uh, the volcano on this specific island, and you have to set it up and you have to you know light it. Um, but you know it puts out a smoke up in the air, and you know you can see that that smoke from a, a fair distance away, not like forever away, but uh, you know like a campfire distance away. And that way you could do events on specific islands out in the roar and you could stop the volcano for just that island so say you uh know that you're going to be out in the roar for a while you're going to be working on a voyage it's a going to be a tougher voyage like an athena one and you don't want anything to happen so you're trying to get cargo crates you could buy a couple of these candles you could have them in your ship and then when you go to an island you set the candle up you light it and then it stops the volcano from being able to erupt during the time that that candle runs something like that might be able to be kind of a balance between turning off the volcanoes completely for a weekend or uh, an event and keeping the roar kind of um, still still active, still ever present with its dangers and allowing people to kind of play around with some of the stuff that's going on out there. I'd like to know the percentage of people that have been to the roar in the last six months. And if it's lower than arena, we should get rid of it. That's that's Caleb talking right there. I can't I can't abide by that. I also disagree with that decision. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Okay. No, Russ, that's bad. That's bad <laughs> stuff. Um, so I did want to uh, get everyone's thoughts. Um, I wanted to, before we get into the next adventure, because we don't, that's the least we know about. Uh, I wanted to bring up the Halloween event. Um, Trickster specifically, I know that you were worried that they were never going to be doing events. And it felt that way, given that we hadn't really seen anything on the uh the what do they call it the the projections the uh, the roadmap that they had put out at the beginning of the year none of the events uh like holiday events were really listed on that and uh so i wanted to get some thoughts on this trick-or-treat event 
Um, what did you guys think? I'm personally happy with it. I've, I've already kind of talked a little bit about that, but, uh, how do you all feel about it? Is it, is it too short? Is it not worth doing or is it right and good that it's, you don't have to do anything too much to do, uh, to be able to get the rewards for this weekend. Um, anyone got any thoughts they want to jump on real quick? I thought it was pretty simple. I, uh, I hate playing solo. I refuse to do it. And I actually got on this morning and by myself and in, I don't know less than an hour i had it done it was it was simple nothing to it burying some stuff digging some stuff up move along oh fa i got a question um you did it this morning um yes we agree that it was simple and yes we agree that it was short but my question is was it good and was it representative of trick-or-treat uh no it was just no no it was just a rehash of the burying and digging up stuff okay so what would be a a better way to have a more um, interactive event that would be simple, but give more credence to the idea of get, you know doing playful tricks and then being able to bless or, or give people treats. I don't know, it's a good question. Because for me, it was it was very, yes, it was easy to do. And yes, I'm very thankful for the hats and the, the, uh, the title that, you know, this recording is Saturday and they've already, you know, issued out, you know, the, the titles out there for the, the, the crew that already won or the side that already won. Um, for me, it was a bit shallow for what they were um, trying to intend to do, even though I appreciate the cosmetics and, and that's good. But if we're going to have a, a trick or treat or a community uh, type of event, I would like to have had something a little more substantial to be representative of both sides. I, I have a small thought on that. Yeah, feel free. Um, if they wanted to be more representative of like a trick or treat. Um, so we have the gifts that go to Reapers. They could have done some type of, you know, setup where you go to an outpost and you just receive a gift from Lorena at that outpost. And it's like an orange or a black box and it's specific only to this event. But you take that gift and you either give it to another pirate and then that pirate has to either deliver it to a different outpost or they can be the tricksters and deliver it to Reapers. That way it's kind of like, you know, kids showing up at your door getting candy, you're giving them candy. Uh, you go get a gift, you give it to another pirate. And they can either be nice and deliver that gift for you, or they can, you know, be a trickster and take it to Reapers and get a whole one coin for it. I think they're planning on saving that mechanic uh, for the Festival of Giving, because that is essentially what the Festival of Givings uh, have been in the past, where we've had to have the humble and generous gifts uh, either delivered to Reapers or turned in uh, or given to other players and stuff. Ahoy there, Pirates. This is the ad for this episode, and I did want to let you know if you wanted to avoid these and just get a regular filler, you can head over to the Patreon. There's a special feed just for patrons that get the ad-free version. If you want to keep listening, though, I can't say I blame you because this week I want to let you know about Loot Crate and getting 15% off of most crates and crate subscriptions when you use the link and code ROBOTSRADIO in the show notes. Also, you can head over to audiobooks.com, get your first three audiobooks for free, and that can include any 
two VIP books or use the affiliate link for Green Man Gaming. If you're a PC gamer, you'd like to save money on games. It's one of the benefit of being a PC gamer. Head over to Green Man Gaming. You can get codes for Steam, Epic, any of the different stores that they have deals going on. They have deals going on all the time. And if you plan on buying there, please consider using our affiliate link. All of that goes straight to me through the network. Thank you all so much for everything that you do to support this podcast. It means the world to me and I continue to try and improve the quality and the content for you. With that, Pirates, let's get back to the show. Um, I, I Just to kind of throw a couple, couple two cents in here, um, I went and kind of played wholeheartedly with this event. Uh, I went out and grabbed uh, every Reaper chest or every Reaper bounty that spawned and Along the way, I would grab whatever else is in the um, the shipwreck, and then I'd go to the nearest island, and I would bury it. And I would bury just about anything else that popped up. If there was an emergent skeleton, I would kill it. I'd do the vi- I'd do the little little map, and then whatever I dug up, uh, I'd rebury. And then I would go and I would drop these off at the uh, quest board. And as I was doing that, I would go around to the quest board and look to see if there were anyone else's maps on the quest board. And there were. Um, so I went and ended up digging up whatever anyone else had uh, buried and then turned it in. Uh, and I and I every now and then I'd find like a barrel or I'd get a skelly pop up with a barrel or I'd have like an emergent skeleton thing or I'd be close to a fort. And I would end up burying some of the uh, the barrels near some of the good stuff that I actually buried as well, knowing that at some point someone would hopefully go out there and do that. Um, I was rewarded this morning when I logged in to see if I could get uh, the the treat or no the trick hat because uh, I got the treat hat one already. Um, I don't have the trick hat, but uh, when I logged in this morning to see if I had uh, gotten the hat. I realized that uh, I got about 15k gold um, about six times over and ended up being all of the stuff that I had buried. People had gone out and dug up and turned it in. So I ended up making 100k uh, just off of the stuff that I buried that people went out and actually found. Um, And I had a really good time with that. And while I wasn't present to see like their face when they had to dig up a keg uh i hope that they had a good time and that it 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 was you know a bit of a spook for them uh a bit of a scare as they had to run away to try and you know deal with that um instead of just burying it again so i had a really good time with the event it was very easy to do and because of that i didn't feel like i was having to spend my entire holiday weekend Uh, worrying about trying to get the event done so that I could get the cosmetics that I want, something that I'm actually really annoyed with in Destiny 2 right now. Um, So based off of that, I would say that this was a pretty good event because it got me to work on quest boards that are something that I think Rare has really shied away from and has not really supported the way I think could be supported. But I wanted to get someone else's thoughts. Did anyone else do anything that kind of engaged with the event outside of just burying the the 10 or so items that you needed to to be able to get credit for both sides yeah i um i did that trick-or-treat thing on twitter but i never got a response back you know where Uh, i found mine what mine was actually on the uh website 
I, I tweeted oh. at Sea of Thieves uh, with the trick or treat thing, and then I never got a response back either. Uh, but when I went back to the website to check my progress and the community progress, that's where I saw I'd been treated. Oh, okay. All right. And then um, I haven't done it yet. I plan on doing it after work today. And this is exactly what I thought it would be that they kept doing um, events. Just mm-hmm. community-based with cosmetic rewards. It'd be very simple. But I was like, maybe next year they can... I couldn't find any candy that back then that pirates would eat, but they can make eggs, and either you can give eggs away or throw them at people who order ships. Smelly, a smelly rotten egg would be a good throwable for for a whole yeah. Halloween event. Yep. All right. So hopefully you guys got yours done. Uh, like Hefe had mentioned, it's relatively easy. You can head over to a sea fort, um, or not a sea fort, just a regular fort where they have kegs. You can bury five of them. That'll get you credit for the tricks. Uh, you can find five items uh, that are of value, and you can bury those and post up the map, and that will get you credit for the treats. Uh, and as far as I understand it, you should be able to get both hats um, as a result. Uh, I'm still waiting on my trick one. Um, has anyone gotten both of theirs yet, peoples? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, as of recording, um, I've gotten the uh, the treat hat and I've gotten the um, uh, the title, uh, but I've not gotten the trick um, hat yet. Okay. Well, hopefully but those I've, will... I've completed both sides. Yeah. So, Trickster, you kind of mentioned that the community event was pretty much what you had expected uh, of this. And last year, uh, we had the Smashing Skeletons event, if you guys were present for that. And that was a pretty long event. I think it was, what, about a month's worth of time of Smashing Skeletons to hit a community goal? What did you guys think of that? And now how does that compare to this? And should Rare find go with one or the other or try and find something that's in the middle nothing all right i mean i can't put in my two cents because i did not even know there was an event until we started talking about it so i can't really give any contribution on this do you think that that's uh just because you haven't had a chance to really jump in or do you do you think that they should have been a little more vocal about uh the the event itself like have it go a little bit sooner or let people know in game sooner uh, either I completely missed every single thing that they sent out about it, or they just didn't advertise as well as they could have. Because I do actually have their Twitter account on notification, and I don't know if I just missed the message. Um, I did not notice anything. I mean, without digging into menus, you know, how you got to go like six menus deep to look for <laughs> event stuff. You know, I didn't notice anything last time I was playing, um, but I just I don't know how I completely missed it, honestly. To be fair, the the events page was not working even yesterday. It was it was kind of iffy. And Kylie, don't don't feel like you're left out on that one because like obviously like I've been away from the game for a couple weeks, you know, taking care of some stuff. But like even with Tennessee and Hefe, you know, although we I don't remember once us really talking about it. I know I heard a, some streamer the other day mention something about it, maybe. But other than that, the only reason why I truly knew there was an event going on was when, what was it, a day or two ago? We were loading in, and Hefe said, hey, did you get that uh, that little notice or whatever? So when you load in, you got the knife and the table and you know the paper there. And I was like, oh, I didn't honestly, like, didn't even read it. Like, it took Hefe to say, like, oh, this is what it says. And I had to go, like, back into the tavern read it and be like oh okay hey there's an event going on like okay like i 
so I completely missed it too, and I have everything, you know, all of my notifications on, and I, I missed it as well. So um, I'll end up doing it here in a little bit. But um, I feel like the one thing I know this not really off cuff, but like I don't know, like the one thing I've always felt weird with Sea of Thieves is, um, other than the the infamous gift giving and, and and all that, you know, with those combinations that I still have yet to finish ever. But um, I don't know the events and even the world, like. And I know, you know, there's so much that we have in this world and it's, you know, it's, we always complain about, well, you know, this, we have these problems because, you know, this event's block, you know, blocking down this and et cetera. But like, I just feel like sometimes with like, especially the holiday events and I understand, you know, there, you have to cater to the whole world, not just like specific countries and how they celebrate and stuff like that. But I just feel like even for the holiday events, like I feel like they could put a little bit more effort in like maybe decorating a little bit more. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe I'm wrong. But like, you know, I just I feel like the world isn't um, even on the like, you know, just certain areas of the world just being decorative a little bit more for holiday stuff. But maybe I'm maybe I'm overstepping and I'm just missing it. I've always been of the mindset that holiday decorations in games and stuff should kick off at the start of October. Um, same thing with like Thanksgiving or Halloween or Christmas, you know, Easter, all of that, uh, really give people an opportunity to see it and live with it for a while. So that way, you know, by the time the end of the month rolls around, everyone's probably tired of looking at it the way it is. Uh, so it's a nice, nice refresher to kind of get back to a normal thing. Um, I, I definitely think that they've done a, a pretty good job of the decorations, but most of the decorations I've seen have all been on outposts. Yeah, I think it would be kind of cool if, like, all the skeleton captains that are randomly walking around on the islands, instead of their pirate hat that they have on, they have a jack-o'-lantern on their head instead. Yeah, that would be great. Also, if they uh, tied that into an event, would be great to go hunting some of the, uh, the you know, jack-o'-lantern captains. It would definitely be something different and bring a whole new meaning to, like, some smashing some pumpkins. So I, I like that idea. I don't think we'll ever see it, um, but I definitely like that idea. Well, that's an idea too, right? Like having having skeleton or jack o' lanterns that you got to go find and smash in the world. That's definitely a lot more of the tricksters side of it, where you know it's just as easy as going around and burying treasure. I mean, we and do it, have it you know, easy. Yeah, I would say we have you know fireballs and, and blunder bombs and stuff. Like, so what what's stopping it from like, oh, hey, picking up a pumpkin and throwing it? You know, whether it be at somebody or just at the ground, doesn't matter. Like, what's what's stopping us? What's stopping them from doing something? What would be seem simple? Probably a lot less, but yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see people throwing pumpkins at each other, throwing rotten eggs at each other. We have like the uh, we have the visual effects to kind of show like poison on characters. You could modify something like that to be like a pumpkin juice or a pumpkin spice. You know, you could do something like that with a rotten eggs and have it be green. Uh, to make people sick, things like that. Um, there's, I, I definitely think that there's, uh, you know, you could do special cannonballs that were uh, flaming jack-o'-lanterns instead of cannonballs for the season and be able to buy like a crate of flaming, uh, flaming jack-o'-lanterns to fire at people. And if it hits, it puts them on fire as well to kind of rebrand some of the, the fire bombs maybe. I'm with you, Logan. I like, I like all those ideas. Yes, Just don't like attach them. combinations to them because then I will never get them done ever. <laughs> I, I like these ideas. I mean, that's just, you know, people you're asking, you know, what would be something that we could do, you know, holiday wise, holiday themed that would be, I don't know, better. This little conversation right here, I think, is some ideas of 
something that's better than just rehashing a mechanic that's already in the game that really doesn't fit. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the idea of kind of reskinning some of those things, or maybe even bringing in like that Jackalooter character in for like a for an event. Like you know, we have uh, Soul Flame captains that pop up from here, you know, here and there with in different areas. Uh, bring those in for a weekend where you got to go out and find them and kill them or something. You know, just something like that. Uh, anything like that, I think, would be better than what it is right now. I could totally see uh, the Jackalooter being on one of like the unnamed islands and uh, have him give you the quest to dress up in a costume. doesn't matter what costume, but a costume. Most people have some costumes. Maybe there could even be like a costume that's awarded for this um, that you can put on temporarily, kind of like what they did with the uh, the Fate of the Morning Star crew where you got the cosmetics and then you had to go equip them to go talk to different NPCs. I think you could do something like that where you have the Jackalooter, have you go out to the different outposts and literally trick or treat. You can, you know, either smash the pumpkin that's out front or you can go and get a, a treat, which is, you know, X type of, you know, edible that you can eat. Um, and it acts like meat where, you know, instead of having to cook meat, you just eat the piece of candy and it gives you a bit of overhealth. Uh, or you can take those and you can turn them into the Jackalooter and, after you turn in a certain amount, you get a title. After you turn in a certain amount, you get uh, a memento. And that memento could be a little milestone trinket that you can put into your ship. So say say you've got like a little fiery jack-o'-lantern in your ship um, that is now just kind of part of your uh, working towards uh, being part of the event. Like when it happens, give you a little memento for it and you can display it in your ship. Um, something... Things like that, I think, are some of the things that I would like to see with future events that come to the different Halloweens, Christmases, things like that, really kind of step outside the regular box that we're, that we're working with, where right now we're doing things that are trying to, uh, to kind of benefit some of the mechanics that have been introduced in prior updates, where I think what we really want to have is a really unique celebration of the actual holiday in ways that we aren't just kind of doing the same old, same old. So one of the things that I know, Regis, you just brought up that you wanted to talk about is uh, the progress that's been going on over at Golden Sands. But before I do that, I wanted to um, really quick, just if you guys have a couple of seconds uh, or anything, lastly, that you wanted to say about what we've kind of talked on the, the Halloween event itself. Anybody have any closing thoughts on that one? Yeah, I got I got one small thing. Um, I mean, it's pretty cool that they gave us some hats uh but in the true spirit of halloween i would have been more excited if it was like a mask uh maybe i don't know what type of mask but just a mask and it would be in the hat section so instead of actually putting on a hat your ca- your character is putting on a mask um that's that's really the only thing that i had yeah i i've been wanting masks for a very long time um i think that they have gotten close to that tech with the uh the bandanas as the mustaches uh but i definitely think there's a lot of room to grow uh having different types of masks that you can actually wear and not just uh like we've had in the past with the emotes but even even as some of the you know set pieces when it comes to clothing you know like reapers and it's like you automatically have a mask on anyway so i don't know i feel like the mask thing we've been like i don't know if we've been really screaming to the top of our lungs about it but it just seems like this type of game like we're 
it seems like masks are like four years behind. It seems like something that should be in this game, and it's just not. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it ever will be, other than some of the, you know, the already set pieces that we already have. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. All right, well, if that was it as far as everyone's thoughts on uh, the event, as far as the Halloween one, um, I did want to get everyone's thoughts and feelings because uh, one of the the past episodes we were kind of talking about the uh, save Golden Sands versus destroy Golden Sands. And while season seven was focused on captaincy, uh, we knew that the community decision that we were given was probably going to take some development time because they weren't going to develop something for both sides and waste a lot of time on something that was never going to see the light of day. As such, we've uh, recently been getting changes over at New Golden Sands Outpost, which it's called New Golden Sands Outpost, but it seems like it's still just the the same Golden Sands Outpost that we had before. Uh, But they've basically gone through and cut down a lot of the trees and started building some full masonry walls, um, stone walls that are, some are very tall, some are are kind of shorter, and it looks like uh, a proper fortress, um, something that we've, uh, I've personally been wanting for a very long time. I've wanted the golden age of piracy. I want busy streets. I want vendors. I want NPCs doing things in in the world that don't pertain to anything I have to do, and I don't have to interact with them, but they're just adding light life and a daily routine to the world um, so that it feels more lived in than what we're going going currently having and as such we've started to see a lot of these walls uh, being erected piece by piece some are a little more developed than others Um, they've got some dry dock that they're building some pillars in as well too but um, is this what you guys thought was going to happen when we finished up with the event the community decision to save or destroy golden sands and having saved it uh are you happy with these changes anyone uh looking forward to what's going to happen or are you upset that they have really destroyed some of the the beautiful like trees and stuff that are been going on with uh golden sands well i when i first saw the stone fortifications i was like okay i was expecting wooden not stone and i'm and, and the second thing was where did you get the stone from? Like, I mean, sure, maybe you can get them from, like, the Veil Voyage, like, you know, the aftermath. Like, oh, don't mind if we do, we'll use this to fortify Golden Sands. But, yeah, it was a it was a pretty surprising. And sure, they're going to have to get rid of all the trees and foliage, but at least they're trying to at least save some of the, the plants in the outpost. So, you know. I feel <clears throat> maybe I'm in the... Uh minority on this but like i feel like so many people i talked to didn't want to save golden sands to begin with and now that we saved it and it's you know obviously it's changing a little bit which is a good thing um you know i wanted to see something different um but i feel like i just feel like i don't know i feel like the change maybe could have come a little bit quicker um but then again it is cfds and things do take a while to to change sometimes so I don't know. We'll see. I, I do agree with Regis. I don't know where the stone came from or, or where they pulled it out of, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens, I guess. Um, I think that uh, calling it New Golden Sands was a little delayed. Like, now we're starting to see changes that maybe would earn that moniker. But prior to this, it really annoyed the crap out of me. <laughs> it was called New Golden Sands, and it was exactly the same. I do like the fact that we are seeing physical game world changes like this, like the Sovereigns. Um, it's just it's just nice 
to see physically in the game things are evolving instead of just getting new voyages. I would like to see New Golden Sands become a main hub for everything. <clears throat> so, I mean, like, we don't have anybody on Steven Spoils, and that's fine. Uh, I see on the docks between a couple of the big items that there is a hunter's flag. And, like, when I noticed that, I was like, oh, my, are we going to get a guy that we can hand in fish to here? Like, that would be cool. I think it would be interesting to have every rep, like, at least one of every representative on Golden Sands. Even a Reaper. Now, like, when I say that, I mean, like, one of the Reaper lackeys. And he's hiding in a corner, like, in an alley. And the only thing you can hand into him would be Reaper chests and, like, the gifts. No other loot can be handed in there. And so that way, it still keeps Reaper Island exclusive to handing in loot there and whatnot. Uh, that's kind of, like, my thought for Golden Sands. And I definitely agree with uh, uh, what was said before. Um, I'm not thrilled by the fact they called it New Golden Sands because when it was done... Nothing was new about it at the time being. They should have called it, like, uh, coming soon, Golden Sands. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. in the sense of, like, to save or destroy Golden Sands, I just, I don't know. If you're going to, if the majority of people voted to, to, to save it or whatever, like, okay, fine. Then it's just Golden Sands. Like, but, you know, I don't know. I just, it, I, that's always bothered me, like, because everybody says, well, we saved Golden Sands. Okay, well, then it hasn't changed, like, so why why should we even call it New Golden Sands? Just, if we, if people voted to save it, then it's Golden Sands, and, you know, if Golden Sands flourishes and changes, like, cool, it's still Golden Sands, though. How do you all feel about the, uh, the actual walls? Do you, are you, are you interested to see like what they do with that are you happy that they're going to be building something that's kind of out of the tall tales i feel like that if you're going to be doing all that stone masonry stuff it better be something grand like something some of those fortifications you know towns whatever we saw kind of like in those tall tales um if if i just don't want it to be half baked when it's when it's done you know if, if they're going to do it then really really get after it and do it do it right Agreed, and I'd want a, a we have a, a pseudo-lore reason that, you know, Golden Sands won, but, you know, it survived, and now they're starting to build. Why wouldn't they build up during the time? And who's who's championing this build? I mean, Merrick is dead. You know, he's he's not there anymore. Who Who is the one that's, you know, grabbing that mantle and, and pushing this thing forward and going to be the the heroine or or uh, or hero of of Golden Sands, you know, is it is it Ramsey? Is it you know Lissetti? I mean, who who is it? You know, so I'd like to see it lean more into the why, not just the what. I have a theory on that actually. I think the reason why New Golden Sands is being built up is because of the sovereigns. Everything we hand in to the sovereigns, they then in return send off to get reply like supplies to build up Golden Sands. And they're secretly trying to make Golden Sands their location. And and the caveat to that is, uh, I know we have the going joke, but, you know, the sovereigns, right? Like, okay, so who are the sovereigns? Where do they come from? Like, how many times have we, you know, given somebody something and then all of a sudden we turn around and they f we find out they're working for somebody else? Like, I don't know. So where's the Grand Maritime Union? Like, like where, where, where are they at? 
like so you know does the sovereigns you know is that who they're giving their money to or are they secretly them like what's going on here if you're bringing if you're bringing stone and to a to an island where there's no stone in sight like okay so yeah like who's who is bringing this in who's bringing that money in there to to make it be some big extravagant place now it definitely would stand to reason that the Grand Maritime Union, if they were planning to come and the sovereigns are setting up people to be accustomed to, say, the sovereign tent and the turn-ins and no, you know, no penalty taken, uh, the Grand Maritime Union thinks of themselves as a very high society-esque group. Uh, they do a lot of trade. They have a lot of practice in trading, and it would make sense that if they failed so hard when they first tried to arrive in the Sea of Thieves to get what they could from this area, that they would want to have something that's a little bit better looking than a couple wood shacks for them to kind of set up, uh, you know, their their home base. And it could be that the uh, stone walls, the fortifications that are going in place at Golden Sands, are in anticipation for the Grand Maritime Union to try and set up their own fortress. Anyone? Yeah, with the sovereigns, um, I think, you know, information is just as uh, worth as just as much as gold and money. And that's what I think they're there for, is collecting information about Sea of Thieves. And building trust as well, right? Like with the captains that are turning in there? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I don't think we'll get to GMU until we get to the Golden Age of Piracy. That's why I think we're finally good. I mean, it would be fitting of the Sea of Thieves, though, for us to, oh, man, this is so easy. We just turn everything in here, no penalties, no nothing, and bam, all of a sudden, guess who shows up? Like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Now, I'm not, whether that happens or not, it's a whole different thing, but it, it's the Sea of Thieves, and we've seen some crazy things happen. Did anyone else have any uh, final thoughts on New Golden Sands? I am looking forward to new developments. Maybe some, uh, maybe they could tear down the wooden shacks and build up some new uh, structures. Maybe they could build some stone bridges or put up some some proper cannons on the on there when they finally build those fortifications up. But oh no, I'm looking forward to uh, new developments on Golden Sands. As always, it's like Reaper's Hideout 2.0, but this time for the good guys. Yeah, definitely. All but right. if it's the Grand Maritime Union, then is it the good guys really? Uh, depends mark. depends mm. on what you like. If you like gold, then it seems like they're very interested in helping you get gold easier. It's true. It if the pirate lord's willing to submit to the Grand Maritime Union, or, you know, just those are seen as pirates regardless. I think the only thing the pirate lord submits to is an extra helping of uh, pudding at the end of dinner. Yeah, I don't think anybody are actually good guys. They're just, they're just people with their own ideologies about what piracy means. <laughs> exactly. It's a pirate game, so everybody's got their own agendas and their you know look out for me thing i mean i somebody i think regis when regis and hefe were going back and forth there for a second the third the, literally the first thing that came to my mind was you know the black rose if we want something we go get it so you know but then again we are a little bloodthirsty so if we want gold we go and get it even if we have to take it it'll definitely be interesting to see what comes as a result um i think regardless i think we can all agree that it's nice to have changes in the world to see things moving forward to having changes and uh you know just seeing like what's going to happen in, in the long run uh with the game and it's just nice to know that the game is in a healthy enough state that 
they are continuing to find reasons to push the story forward to change things in the game. Well, we're kind of at time here. Uh, the one thing that I did want to kind of touch on just before we head out is, of course, with the latest announcement of the adventure that's going to be coming at the beginning of the month, just next week. Um, we're, of course, speaking to the return of the damned. Uh, there's a bit of snafu with the Halloween event that we got a little bit of a, some things were turned on that probably shouldn't have been. They had to, to quickly turn those off with a hotfix. Uh, but I wanted to get some thoughts and find out who's on what side, because um, this is basically coming down to uh, the, the return of Flameheart or the redemption of Pendragon. And uh, I'd be very curious to kind of hear what your guys' uh, thoughts are. So I wanted to kind of go down the list and see where everyone's falling and see whether or not you are for Pendragon or for Flameheart. Um, so Hefe, uh, wh where were you kind of falling on this? Where do you want to go with it? You know, I would say that the way I look at this game is pretty balanced. Um, I, I definitely have a foot on both sides of the fence. Uh, however... I think in the progression of the story of this game, it is time for Flameheart to go. It's time for us to have a new big bad, a new a something new to come along, and we've got those things set up, right? You've got the captain that's out there. You've got the GMU that's out there, um, allegedly. So on in this one, I, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna root for the good guys and go for Pendragon, even though I wanted Golden Sands to burn. So yeah, that's where that's where I land on it. I'm, I can understand that. Hylia, between Flameheart and Pendragon, are we doing the redemption of Pendragon or are we bringing back Flameheart? For the Alliance! Oh, um, Pendragon. Oh my god. Always about the good oh guys. Oh my god, get out. It's, it's, okay. <laughs> uh, moving on, peoples, uh, before we get any more WoW references in, are you going for Pendragon or are you going for uh, Flameheart in this case? You know, to, to F.A.'s point, um, I really want to see uh, the fruition of, uh, of Flameheart you know, come to be. Uh, he's had several things um, forwarded in the in the past. I want I want him to have his day in the sun. I want him to burn bright, and I want him to go very, very, very far away once he's defeated. Um, you know, he I've talked about him being the the wily coyote of the Sea of Thieves world, where he tries different things and doesn't work. He goes away, and then he comes back with something other silliness. Um, you know, so, um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, with Flameheart so that, uh, he can be done once and for all. So wait, so you want to, you want to go with Pendragon so that Flameheart's done? No, 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 no. Well, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to give, I'm going to give my support to Flameheart so that he has his opportunity to, um, do whatever he wants to do and his arc you know, be sunset. So um, we don't know exactly what the choice is going to give him. We don't know what, what those choices are going to be. Um, you know, Pendragon has been dead for, for how long? And, uh, you know, he's uh, he's come back. He's still interactive. So, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I'd like to see really where the story goes, how it's presented to us, and then um, can make a better decision when we have more more uh, more information. That that is a very interesting perspective. I don't I don't know if I align with that a hundred percent. But that's that's for another story. Uh Regis, let's get into what you think. Are you going for Pendragon or are you going for Flameheart? Uh this may sound a bit heretical, but I'm going for Flameheart. Interesting. Okay. Uh any reason yeah, behind well, it? Big, um well 
we kind of need we kind of need him at this point, you know. With the Grand Maritime, or this is lore. This is me speaking purely lore wise. Like the Grand Maritime Union are worming their way into the Sea of Thieves, and for us to stand even a lick a chance of uh, you know, taking on the well, what is essentially a globe-spanning corporation of the mega of the mega corporation kind from Cyberpunk, uh, we kind of need like somebody to, to um, you know. To fight alongside with in the in the future when they when the GMU does eventually come around, mm. yeah, kind of like kind of like the the Horde and Alliance things that Kylie mentioned that uh, you know they they do team despite being on opposite ideologies opposite beliefs they kind of have to team up to take on a bigger fight like you know the Lich King, uh, Deathwing, uh, the sky above the. The, the sky above Icecraft Citadel splitting open to the bloody Shadowlands. And yes, my sister plays World of Warcraft, just to let you know. So, yeah. Much like World of Warcraft, we kind of need Flameheart to eventually not only kick us, but also possible alliance to fight against a bigger foe than Flameheart and the GM and the, and the Dark Reverend. Just putting it out there. Very interesting. Okay. Um, Raspel Kid, what do you got? Well, you might want to write this down because first off, Peoples is over here gaslighting the situation because he doesn't want to pick a side. So, um, and um, I actually kind of agree with Regis, but I don't. Um, <clears throat> I think if we want to stand a chance against the GMU, you know, I think having him around would be great. Um, but at the same time, like my view of it is, if I don't, if I can go another day without ever seeing that guy again, ever in the history of the lore, I would be perfectly happy. But I don't like the good guys. I never have liked the good guys. So um, I'll pull a little one out of my bag, too, and say, you know, as much as I don't want to see Flameheart, um, I'd rather just see it all burn and let's just let's just go after each other. Like, let's just, you know, let's see what happens. Interesting. Okay. Uh, moving into our next guest, Static. Where do you fall? I fall under saving Flameheart for the only reason of I've been playing this game since February and I have already done some digging in the past and looking up Flameheart and like just kind of getting to know the whole story when I really got sucked into the game. So, but here's the thing. I want Flameheart to win because he betrayed the captain. And if he wins, I want the captain to come in and I want the captain to seek his revenge on the guy that betrayed him. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Trickster, you're our last and uh, curious to hear what you have to say. Uh, I'm not with Flameheart, but I'm picking Flameheart because he wasn't the first trailer. So I've always wanted to see him come into the game. Mm -hmm. And I want, I want this war to actually get started. And if we, what will happen if we don't save him? Uh, that's my thing um, and then um, I'm starting to not trust Pendragon because how do you lose two giant skeleton bodies that are on fire was he flirting with Madame Olivia or something what was he doing I think well this, um, this is kind I of think, uh, the redemption of his I, know, I think that maybe Flameheart maybe got him on his side somehow maybe he because he can influence people Flameheart well, I'm not I'm not trusting Pendragon anymore it's very interesting that uh a lot of you wanted to save Golden Sands, if I recall correctly. Um, yeah, and now you guys, too. you guys are now. So I didn't want to save it. Yeah, now you guys are 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 looking to side with Flameheart. The way the one thing that I think you guys um, 
are all kind of looking at this from a very interesting perspective. You all believe that you need Flameheart's help to stop someone that you think is a bigger threat, where defeating Flameheart, in my mind, would be the thing that does, like, if you can defeat Flameheart, and Flameheart already defeated the, or already betrayed the captain, or, or you believe would be strong enough to be able to help you defeat the GMU, wouldn't you then be better than what you think Flameheart can bring to the table? And everyone seems to feel like everyone is is lesser than Flameheart, that there's no way we can stop him and we need his help. There's also a, an, in, an interesting assumption that Flameheart wants to help and that Flameheart will help us stop the GMU. We don't necessarily know that that's the case. He may want to kill us if he succeeds, and he may want to enslave us. And if that's the case, what's the difference between the GMU and Flameheart? Anyone have any? Yeah, uh... I just, I just want to come back so we can actually fight him in a real fight and beat him. That's why I want to come back. That's where I'm kind of interested where this adventure is going to go, because um, we don't know really. Like, if if Flameheart returns, we don't know what that's going to cause. Like. And in, in the redemption aspect of, of Pendragon is to help him stop Flameheart from ever coming. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. Uh, but anyway, um, were there any things that you guys wanted to touch on before we head out? Yeah, I got one. Um, if there's ever another decision in the future for this game uh, on destroying an outpost, I feel we need to get rid of Daggertooth. It is the worst outpost in all of the disease i can see that i i think Daggertooth is is a very interesting one i would actually like to see it built out better so that you can turn stuff into the to the uh, sovereigns but i would love to see that bay open up i mean you gotta run so far to hand in anything if you're not going to sovereigns it's it's like a lot of times when we're sailing and we're like, oh, where are we going to go hand stuff in? Well, we're closer to Daggertooth than we are Galleons. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're going to Galleons. <laughs> I'm on board with peoples on this. Like, yeah, let's get rid of uh, Daggertooth and make Crooked Mass a new outpost. Thanks for the suggestion, peoples. And we definitely uh, that was me. Mistakes. Static. Crooked Mass and go with Daggertooth. I don't want that. Well, I think you all have some ridiculous ideas, uh, but I appreciate you sharing them. So as we're kind of wrapping things up, I want to thank everyone for dropping in uh, who were able to drop in and share some thoughts on this. It's very interesting to hear some feedback. Uh, definitely did not expect some of the answers that we got this evening and uh, very curious to see how things end up playing out. Um, and I wanted to kind of run down. So uh, Hefe, uh, thanks for joining us. Anything you want to say or anything that you uh, have to promote? Uh, no, just hanging around. If anybody's anything in this court, just uh, let one of us know. That's true. We do have the Sherpa program going. Uh, I'm always looking forward to seeing like what you guys end up deciding to do or who you're helping. Uh, but there is a, a Sherpa program available if you want to learn more about the game or just get more familiar with different aspects of it or just to catch up on stuff that you may have missed. They're a great group of people who have volunteered to uh, step up when kind of anything is really needed. Doesn't matter what it is, right? Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever folks need for the most part. Awesome. Well, and then moving down the list, uh, Kylia, thank you for jumping in and sharing some thoughts. 
and uh, feelings on this. Anything you want to uh, say or promote as we head out? Uh, yeah, I actually wanted to piggyback on the Sherpa thing. Um, as always, if anybody wants help with any tall tales, I absolutely adore the tall tales. I'm more than happy to assist on tall tales with anybody. I'm usually available um, in the late evening for most time zones. And then, of course, please check out Destination Indie, our podcast about Xbox Game Pass indie games. Awesome. Uh, peoples, as we're heading out, anything you want to say or support? Um, sure. Uh, open invitation to hit me up on Discord if you have any questions or, or you need anything. We can get definitely get you in the in the right place. Um, I typically um, are on uh, Chenzo's uh, crew, uh, typically Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. It can be seen on Chenzo Rama's uh, Twitch stream, and we typically start sailing around 9.30 um, Eastern Standard Time. So uh, check us out and say hi. Appreciate it. And Regis, anything you want to say or support as we head out? Uh, nothing much. I'm still working on my uh, my fanfic. And uh, yes, yes, for those who have yet to hear, I'm working on a My Little Pony, CFEs, now Pirates of the Caribbean, Monkey Island, and a little tease of Peter Pan in there. Fanfic. So more on that whatever i'll take my time so other than that i'm good thank you always a pleasure to be pleasure to have you and rust belt who doesn't always come by too often but anything you want to say at the end of this or uh support um no just glad to still be here um for those that know no um i love you all this community has done a lot for me in my life um i'm glad to be here um with that being said um if you need help Seriously, guys, go to Hefe, Kylia, Peoples. Uh, they'll get you in the right direction. Um, don't come to me. I'm a pain to work with, but I still love you all no matter what. Um, I did get the PC going. Still playing with a controller on PC, but um, I will be hopefully streaming here more soon as well. So, um, yeah, just love you all and glad to be here. Awesome. Static, as we're uh, closing up, anything you want to say and or support? Uh yeah uh you can usually find me out on the seas a couple days out of the week uh usually in the like the early afternoons or in the evenings um i'm a fairly friendly pirate and that has got me killed multiple times but uh if you see me out on the seas uh my gamer tag is static craig uh you are more than welcome to approach me and we can talk about theories or if you're trying to accomplish some type of accommodation let me know i can help you out awesome glad to have it and then last but not least, Trickster, anything you'd like to say or support? No, um, just uh, everybody have a great rest of your day. Fantastic. Well, thanks everyone for dropping in for the October episode of the Community Gold Hoarders, uh, jumping in to kind of talk about things that we've been able to actually experience and talk about for once um, instead of kind of postulating on what's going to happen in the future. Uh, very curious to see how things turn around. As always, uh, the last uh saturday of the month is typically when we do our recordings for this um this upcoming one i will have to check with folks because uh at least in america it's going to be the thanksgiving uh weekend and i don't know how many folks are going to be available for that um but i will probably post uh whether or not you guys want to have that shifted so that it's on the 19th of november as opposed to the 26th or if enough people are going to be made available for the 26th then we'll go with that one as well 
Um, but with that, I want to thank all of you for one, just supporting the podcast. It means the world to me that you guys do so. Um, it really helps me out. It helps me do things that I'd like to be able to do that I can forgo hours at work for. So thank you for that. And uh, we will kind of head out and see how things um, go for the next month. listeners to the second part of our tales of the damned i am your nameless host and when we last left our story lily had received grave news about her lover and simon was settling into his new role at the eerie bleak heart manor following the news lily had retreated to her room and locked the door she didn't want to face the world anymore she had spent the last year exchanging letters with a man she loved, believing each day that he was getting closer to returning to her, that soon she would be wed, and that she'd have a beautiful family in a beautiful mansion with a beautiful man. But fate had said no. That was not to be her life. Those dreams would not come to fruition, and so Lily relegated herself to her chambers. A doctor was immediately called, the family fearing she had come down with some malady rather than accepting she had succumbed to grief. All the whilst, Simon silently wished there was something he could do for her. There was not much he could immediately do, even if he could. As the household was preparing for a long and isolated winter, the next days were spent assisting the staff in stocking the pantries, gathering firewood, and securing the manor in some of the older parts, like the small chapel that looked unlikely to be used any time soon. It was arduous work and afforded Simon little time to think, but he was grateful in getting the chance to have a more thorough look around the manor to help out in more ways. And helping out more was something he would have to do. Heavy snowfall was expected for the coming month, and many of the servants who lived in the nearby village were given permission to remain in their homes and not worry about their duties at Bleak Heart. This did leave certain jobs vacant, and as it would be unlikely that the manor would be receiving any visitors during this time, the master had approached Simon with the news that he would do more around the house. He would still stay in the hut unless his presence in the manor was utterly necessary. But he was afforded with a thicker woolen blanket to keep him warm during the night. The horse-drawn carriage rattled up slowly along the stone path, moving at a steady pace to avoid any mishaps on the icy patches, and pulled up to the manor's grand entrance. 
Simon helped the well-dressed man alight from the carriage and rang for the master. It was the doctor who had come as promptly as possible, knowing the family would pay well for his quick services. The master came down and met with him before leading him towards Lily's room. Simon was left in charge of bringing in the doctor's belongings. It seemed he would be staying overnight. As he was moving the baggage from the carriage to the foyer, Simon could hear the faintest whisper in his ears. The clock chimed. He focused on his duty. The whisper turned into a cacophony of voices, all clamoring to gain his attention, and Simon could no longer ignore them. He looked up to the balcony, and there he could see the figure standing, looking down at him. He raced up the stairs, the figure turned, and walked down the corridor. He duly followed. The figure stepped through an open door, and a few moments later, Simon stepped through too. I'll have to observe her for a few days to get a proper indication of what is afflicting her. Came the cordial words of the doctor. Of course, we've prepared a room for you to stay in naturally, responded the hearty voice of the father. Very good. The doctor stood up and looked at Simon. Are you here to chaperone me already? Ah, oh, Simon, when did you get here? The master asked, slightly perturbed, but much more distracted by the bed-stricken Lily. It doesn't matter. Show Brian to the downstairs guest room, would you? Simon stood looking at Lily. She was propped up in her bed, mother sitting down by her left side and holding her hand as the three men looked on from in front of the bed. Her father had a grim expression on his face as he contemplated a piece of paper in his hands. Taking a cursory look around her room, he noticed the music box sitting on top of a dressing table. Well, the doctor insisted, nudging Simon back into the moment. He dutifully nodded and led Brian to his chambers for the night. The snowfall was heavy that night, as winter gripped the grounds in its icy clutches. Winds howling around the manor, shaking and rattling the trees. Simon was glad of his woolen blanket, but as soon as the dawn was breaking, he was lighting a candle and getting dressed immediately so that he may seek proper warmth in the manor. It was a struggle to make it across even the relatively short distance between his hut and the entrance, as snow had built up to shin height, as evidenced by the wading motion he had to adopt to move across the blanket of snow. Helping with the kitchen duties gave Simon the chance to sit with Lily once in a while as he poured her tea or laid out her meals for her. She wasn't as talkative or bright as she had been when they first met, the color looking as though it had been drained from her and her eyes had sunken into her skull with how sullen they were. She must have wept every night ever since getting the news. But still, he came and he sat with her and kept her company, 
Sometimes he would bring the books he was borrowing from the library with him, and read out loud the finer details of ship construction, or chapters of Milton's Paradise Lost. He wouldn't stay for long, as he had other errands to attend to, but also because the music box made him feel on edge. It unsettled him. He'd still hear it being wound up and played out, although not quite so frequently, and never whilst he was in the room. But the tune would find itself playing in his head for hours. The doctor who had come to stay was trying an assortment of methods to find a cure or solution to her physical well-being. Her father insisted that medicine could solve the issue. Simon understood more of what was happening. It was grief. She had her dreams taken so abruptly from her. After another day of watching Brian prod and probe her with his medical equipment, Simon resolved to speak about this with the master. You think it's because she's sad? Scoffed the master. Yes, I do. Simon said defiantly. She's lost everything she's had hoped for. She's lost her future and her lover. How could she not be sad? Don't be ridiculous. If it was sadness, she would have moved on from that by now. The master dismissed Simon and went back to setting the dinner room table. Incensed by this, the young man placed his hands on the table. Sadness can take root deep inside. This isn't something that will go away in a few days. Perhaps it may never truly leave her. Simon impassionately cried back, startling the master who quickly regained his composure. If it's love she needs, came the voice of Mr. Bleakheart as he entered the room, making his presence known. Then she won't have to worry about that much longer. We've got a suitor lined up for her and her marriage will be happening before the summer, as planned. There was silence between the three of them. Who was Simon to argue with Lily's father? The man who ultimately gave him permission to even be in the house. He smoothed out the tablecloth that he had inadvertently screwed up with his clenched fists and stood up straight. Who... who have you found? Simon questioned. The doctor, Brian. He's a fine man and has taken a liking to Lily during his short stay with us. I am hopeful that before the month's end she'll reciprocate his feelings. It would be best for our family and estate. The bell for evening dinner rang, and Simon was called away by his duties in the kitchen before he could say anything to what he had just heard. It didn't feel right to bring it back up during dinner with Lily's mother, Brian, and a few other servants all attending. Instead, he swallowed it, keeping it to himself. He could do naught but watch as Brian made advances on Lily over the following days. He had become much more aware of his intentions now that he knew what was happening. What seemed like daily routine checkups became excruciating moments. Then came the proposal. Everyone present in the snowed-in manor had gathered in Lily's room for an important announcement from Mr. Bleakheart. They had tried to move Lily from her chambers, but the closest they could get her to leaving was a few paces from the door before she would go rushing back to the comfort 
of the music box. Simon had attended despite already knowing what the topic would be. As you know, Brian has been our esteemed guest for the past two weeks. He has diligently been working to find out a way to help our poor Lily overcome her recent malady. And in that time, I have seen a connection bloom. A deep connection between the two of them. One that I would like to honor. That is why today, in front of all of you, I am formally offering the hand of my daughter, Lily, to that of Brian. There were a few astonished gasps from those gathered many of which faked. Brian stood, understanding it was his turn to respond. Though, yes, it has only been a short time, Brian spoke with an almost smirk in his voice. It would humbly please me to wed your daughter, Mr. Bleakheart. I graciously accept. Lily cried out. It was unclear she fully knew what she was reacting to, as she had been in a trance-like state for many weeks now, not showing much attention to the world around her. But now, she was awake and full of rage. She thrashed about in her bed, so much so that the master and Mr. Bleakheart rushed to restrain her down against the mattress of her bed. Simon couldn't bear the sight and left the room, heading to the library at a quickening pace. This is wrong, he kept thinking to himself. Why are they doing this? The thoughts raced around his head as he entered the quiet room that had shelves stuffed with all sorts of books. He went straight to the section about shipbuilding. From what he had gathered during his time both in the manor and in the library was that the Bleak Heart's fortune was partially built upon commerce and trade, with an earlier member of the family branching out into shipments. There were all sorts of books and information on trade routes, on types of ships and what they could be used for. And this fueled Simon's imagination about dealing with these types of entrepreneuring individuals, of designing grand ships for them to explore the new world with. He sighed and brought a heavy fist down against one of the shelves. A book loosened from amongst them, tumbling to the floor with a soft thud. He picked it up and turned it around in his hands. It wasn't particularly heavy, nor was it very decorative. With nothing distinguishing about it on its cover, nor title, no author. All there was, was a padlock, keeping prying eyes from absorbing the contents. Had this book been here all this time? It seemed personal in some way. That sound the chiming of the clock. Simon was alert. Who was that in the doorway? He snapped around to face them, catching a glimpse of their cloaked figure moving past the frame. He followed suit. In the darkness, the manor's halls, he caught only glimpses of the cloaked stranger as they darted around the corners and just out of sight. Simon became more frantic to catch up with them. He heard sounds of arguing, raised voices pitched with anger and frustration as he chased the phantom. He found himself at the bottom of the stairs in the foyer. He knew where this was going. Without a moment's hesitation, he climbed the stairs with great speed, aware of the presence watching him from above. 
When he reached the summit, they stood before him. The sound of the clock was clearer this time. The red door was opened, yellow flickering candlelight pouring out. The figure entered. I've got you, he thought to himself as he entered after them. The room was bright, his vision blurred. He could make out the rough shapes of a square table, a fireplace, and a sofa. The sound drew his attention to the grand drawing room clock by which the figure stood, back turned to him. He approached, unaware of how he was gripping the mysterious journal in his hands, raising it high with each step until he brought it down. Simon woke at his desk in his little room, stirred by the sensation of how cold he was. He rubbed his arms to give himself a bit of warmth. What was he doing here? He looked around. The drawer in the desk was open, and sitting on top of some disheveled papers was a key. What was that doing there? He closed the drawer and stumbled into the cover of the blanket, where he then passed out once again. Months had passed since the doctor had vanished without a trace. At first it was thought that he'd merely missed an appointment, perhaps keeping to himself to get over a brief illness. But the worry built up as the days went on without any sign of his presence. Frost remained as the snow melted away, revealing once more the grass and earth that laid buried underneath. Aside from the winter air, the house felt much more cold now, more barren, as if something had slowly been taken from it. As Simon stepped out to greet the defrosting world, he was soon met with the gruesome sight of Brian's body lying dead. Blood that had poured out from his ears had frozen solid. How had they missed this? His body must have been buried deep under the blanket of snow, concealing it from sight. He must have fallen from a height, judging from the contorted position of his body. And so Simon looked up for any kind of clue. The only room high enough to result in such an injury was Lily's room. That couldn't be right. How or why would he have fallen from up there? A small procession was held for Brian in the chapel at the back of the manor. His body had been cleaned up, and he had been given a simple wooden coffin which had been buried on nearby grounds. These events perturbed Mr. Bleakheart, now more desperate to resolve the issue with Lily. Having found no solution in conventional medicine, he resolved to find one by other means. Now that it was possible to move to and from the manor, he was able to leave and find someone appropriate. Someone who the family had had dealings with in the past. As the villagers returned to the manor to take over their duties once more, Simon tried to talk to them about the erratic behavior of the family. Many were concerned for the well-being of Lily, but none would speculate on what was happening, instead choosing to change the subject or leave entirely when the possibility of discussing the family history was brought up. 
Simon was confused by this. He had always held the family and the manor in high regard, and given what he had learned of them, he considered them to be a good influence on the local area. The family may be strange, but they had their reasons for it. Reasons he was more determined to uncover. There must be something in the library that explains more, he mused to himself. Suddenly, the image of the odd book flashed into his mind. Maybe that had something to do with it. But it was locked. He'd have no hope of finding the key to it. Unless... The house fell quiet again for another night, and on hurried feet, Simon made his way back to the library, bringing with him a candle in one hand and the key from the drawer in the other. It seemed highly unlikely, but it was worth a shot. Once again entering the library, he scoured the shelves for the signs of the book. He'd had no recollection of what he had done with it, if he had returned it or kept it. He knew it wasn't in his room, no, he checked there just in case before he came out. It took some time, but eventually he found it nestled in tightly amongst a row of messy books, removed it with a bit of a struggle, and took it over to a small reading desk. The moment of truth. He brought the key to the lock and dubiously inserted it. He turned. It opened. The book's secrets were revealed to him. He tenuously flicked through the pages, glancing over them. Many were full of illegible scrawl, as it appeared to be written by someone with a cursory understanding of how to write. From this he could assume the book was a journal or diary of sorts, much like what he was keeping back in his own room. But who had this belonged to? Scanning through, he found an interesting passage, one accusing Jacob Blakehart of treachery. He read on and discovered more about the man who started the Blakehart family, one whose rise to power was filled with cold-hearted deceit and deception. He would take any means necessary to build his fortune, from having rivals murdered to using his children as leverage to gain status with more prolific families. His lust for power and uncaring attitude to those around him earned him the nickname of Bleak Heart. In time, tempers rose from the local villagers, and they took up arms to show their disdain for Jacob Blake Heart. The author of the journal never spoke in certain terms about what became of him, varying wildly with accusations of being buried under the manor, to sailing off in distant shrouded lands, or he was simply murdered by his own kin. Simon slammed the book shut. Mr. Bleakheart returned just three days after his departure, bringing with him the wise woman. She held herself with an air of elegance and piety, her clothes strange and ragged, walking barefoot, and around her waist was a pouch, covered in runes and a skull. Her long black hair flowed unevenly as it framed her face. Perhaps the most immediately striking feature about her was her pitch black eyes, a dark liquid seemingly ever dripping from them. She calmly took in the atmosphere and spoke. This place, there are many spirits here, but you have not called me here to exercise them. 
but rather to free one from the grasp of something unknown. Show me to her. She was duly escorted by the master and Mr. Bleakheart to Lily's chambers. A few of the staff tagged along behind, waiting outside whilst the woman went about her business. Simon was amongst their number. Yes, very troubling indeed. The woman, who went by the name Madame Ostera, muttered. She had walked about Lily's room very briefly before honing in on the music box, taking far greater interest in that trinket than anything else. There is a sorrow here. It is resonating with Lily, and it is not allowing her to move on. And yet, I sense yearning from her. I propose we do a ritual to purify her. Mr. Bleakheart was hesitant. It was clear by the inflection of his voice. A, a ritual here? No, not here. She dismissed, turning her attention to Lily. Girl, do you wish to see your lover again? I believe I can give you the chance to say goodbye. Lily rose to this. The prospect of seeing Brennan again ignited something in her. What must I do? Led by Madame Ostera, they all gathered in the drawing room. Lily's parents, the master, several servants, and even Simon. Simon was uncomfortable being in this room, his skin becoming itchy and irritated by simply being in there. He tried his best to downplay his discomfort. Luckily for him, all eyes were on Lily, who had for the first time in several months taken steps outside of her room, though she had insisted on wearing what would have been her wedding dress. She sat at the small square table opposite Madame Ostera. On the table itself was the music box, a few glyphs drawn on stones that were scattered about, and a tea set all set out nicely on an ornate tablecloth. The pot of tea itself had been specially brewed by Ostera for this occasion. She poured out a measured amount into the teacup set before Lily. I willingly undertake this ritual so that I may once more see my beloved, declared Lily entirely of her own power, bringing the teacup to her lips. With no hesitation, she supped deep on the enchanted broth, the wind howling outside on the grounds of the manor, barraging the walls with all its might. The master and Lily's mother looked at each other with unease. It took a few moments for any visible effects to appear. Ostera had already assured them it would take some time. She shuddered. She shook and all the color drained from her face. The wind fell silent. Emerging abruptly from some place deep within her came a blood-curdling screech, one that woke the whole manor and lasted for several agonizing seconds, ringing in the heads of all those present. Lily's mother attempted to calm her, grasping her by her shoulders. What is happening to my daughter? cried the father demanding to understand. We must allow this to happen. We must allow the other side to connect through, reassured Ostera. The worst was yet to come, as Lily flailed in her seat, grasping at the air and all around her as if some otherworldly being was tormenting her. In her frenzy, she had caught the elaborately decorated cloth that ordained the table and threw it 
called the open fireplace, dragging along with it all of the contents on the table. Mr. Bleakheart rushed to catch the cloth but fumbled, tripping over his own feet. The teapot shattered against the floor as the music box was flung into the fire, causing the flames to flare up as if eager to consume the dark spirit attached. Lily saw something in the flames and clambered with all her might to reach it, knocking over the table as she stood. Brennan! Ethereal screams tore through the room, shrill and laughing. Joining with Lily's screech to create a concophony of unholy sounds, as Lily stood in the flames, engulfed by their heat, as they burned through the frail wedding dress, she lowered her veil. The rest of the room was a blur of motion, painted in bold hues of orange and yellow as the fire grew. There was nothing that could be done. Everyone who was able fled the room. First to flee was the master shortly joined by Lily's father, who had pulled himself up off the floor by way of using the drawing room clock as leverage, causing it to fall with a resounding clang of gears being shuffled out of place. Shortly after came her mother, and then the various staff. Ostera tried her best to channel some inner energy to settle the spirits as the flames rose mockingly around her. Simon waited as long as he could before getting out. Covering his mouth with his sleeve as smoke was beginning to build up, he took one look back into the room to see Lily standing, grasping at the locket that was now torn from her neck. She looked to him and mouthed one last sentence before Simon was knocked backward and off the balcony by a sudden burst of flame. The blaze engulfed the drawing room and swiftly grew to the foyer, rolling down the stairs and along the corridors to the remaining wings without any resistance. In an instant, the house was lost. There was nothing the residents could do to stop this righteous flame that seemed hell-bent on reducing Bleakheart Manor to ash. Everyone who could make it out of the manor made their way to the gates of the estate, only to then look back in horror as it collapsed in on itself in a sea of flames. Simon awake, head throbbing in an unknown bed. He was told that he had been pulled from the manor by a few of the servants who had spotted him on their way out and that he had been taken back to the village when they'd gone to investigate what had happened when they saw the fire light up the sky. He spent a few days recuperating in the home of a family friend before deciding to seek out the Bleakhearts. They were still alive, also staying in the village for the time being whilst they sought out their affairs. Simon approached Mr. Bleakheart. You awake now? Almost managed to stay the full period, hmm? His words were heavy. We'll still pay you, don't you worry. We know you wanted to do what you could for our daughter too. We were just too late. I'm sorry about what happened. Simon began solemnly. Mr. Bleakheart waved him off. My wife tells me you have an interest in the nautical. Something about wanting to design ships. Mr. Bleakheart grunted as he turned to look Simon in the eyes. She'd said you'd been reading our books on the subject and drawing up plans. Take this. Show it to some friends of mine. It'll get you started. He produced a small letter addressed to a name Simon recognized. Thank you, sir. He accepted the gift with gratitude, bowing deeply. 
This genuine act seemed to make Mr. Bleakheart uncomfortable for a brief moment. Almost one year following the blaze that tore through the manor, Simon returned. The house had lain dormant since those events, abandoned by the family and by the locals. To many it was a cursed place, full of suffering, whilst others swore they could hear the sounds of a music box playing and gentle weeping, and that was enough to keep them away. As for Simon, on Mr. Bleakheart's recommendation, he had joined a large shipbuilding company, where he had worked diligently up the ranks. With the wealth he had saved up, it was time to repay a debt. He recalled Lily's last words, find him, and had become determined to see them out and to honor her memory. And so that was why he came back. He had returned to see what parts of the manor could be salvaged, what inspiration could be gleaned. He would commission a large ship and continue the legacy of Bleak Heart Manor in a new form, and he would seek out the whereabouts of Lily's lover. Searching through the broken doorways and remnants of rooms, he found Lily's locket amongst the rubble. Unaware of the veiled spectre that stood watching him from behind, he bent down and picked up the locket and placed it in his pocket. Satisfied with this discovery, he returned to the carriage. This locket, this pure symbol of their love, would serve as the basis for the design of the shape. He thought to himself as he turned over the ivory trinket in his hands, admiring the delicate gold detailing. As he stepped into the carriage to leave the manor's grounds for the last time in his life, he looked back and thought about the future. He would reach the Sea of Thieves, and he would find Brennan. Little did he know that Lily wouldn't be far from him either. And so that brings an end to our Tales of the Damned. Now that you know the history of Bleakheart Manor and of the Bleakheart Banshee, if you ever go sailing and see amidst the fog a ship flying the bleak heart colors, spare a thought for the lover lost to grief, searching for her dearest. <laughs> You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Nominated in New Jersey's Here Now Audio Fiction Festival 2020, it's Bioshock, the Midnight Series. Based in the dystopian underwater city of Rapture, Witness what it was like for civilians from different walks of life before and after Andrew Ryan's city fell. It's a tale of deception, downfall, and survival. Bioshock, the Midnight Series, a podcast by Preston Hardin. 
Listen on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you into the cyberpunk tabletop games or excited for Cyberpunk 2077? Are you looking to brush up on the lore, stay up on all the latest news, and talk about the game when it comes out? Check out the Cyberpunk Lorecast, a show from Robots Radio with me, your host, Robots. We'll go over all the details you need to know about the world, characters, and story of Cyberpunk. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.